This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! We have Mike Irwin from Pigtro Nation joining us here as uh, Sam Pittman is uh, I don't know if he's concluded his press conference or not. Uh, Mike, is he still up there? As far as I know, um, but it usually goes about 30 minutes, so it should be a little bit longer. Um, so far, he's talked about Armstrong, thinks he'll be back, thinks he'll practice today, thinks he's fine, that's good news. Um, talked a lot about Moody being back and the difference he made. Certainly good to have him back. But he'd already revealed that Arkansas has lost yet another tight end, a productive tight end in the passing game, both of them with broken clavicles, so that's not good news. Uh, but, you know, we there's a reason to be optimistic, if, if even for a few days. The, the thing that's amazed me, guys, is how some of the people are so bent on getting rid of Sam Pittman that they can't even enjoy this win. And they're making statements like the offensive line was terrible. Really? Then how did Bo Limber be... How did he get named the SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week? Not co-offensive lineman. He was it. How did he do that? Well, he did that because this team, which had been averaging 109 yards rushing this season, had more than doubled that. And you had two guys. One went over 100 yards. That's the first time Arkansas had a 100-yard rusher. Rocket did that, and then K.J. almost did. So... You know, and then somebody tried to tell me, well, they weren't, that they were just making their own yardage. They were just running over people. You got to go back and look at the video if you're that dumb. Really, guys, if you go back and uh, and one guy's telling me, well, KJ just ran over that guy and knocked him 10 yards backward. He did that 10, 15 yards down the field. If you look at that play, there was a, there was a hole he ran through just to the right of Limmer. So come on. Uh, Rocket ran. He got past the line of scrimmage because he ran through holes that were generated. So all that surprised me. I felt like with Guyton, you'd get some uh, maybe some changes with the pass routes and maybe some better, some quicker, more quick opening passes downfield a little bit maybe. But I didn't see this kind of improvement to the run game. And I don't know if it can continue, but if you can't sit back and enjoy that, even for a few days, you might as well just forget it and go on to basketball because. You know, they're still playing football, and there's still some things that could be fun if they continue to play this way. Mike, I, I'm with you. I thought it was the offensive line's best best game. Yeah, they got beat at times, but but it happens. KJ made some bad throws. AJ Green fumbled a ball, whatever. But but what 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 did happen was, and and I wanted to see what your biggest takeaway was. My biggest takeaway, Mike, was we had four explosive plays on offense. I can't remember the last game. It might have been week one or two since we've had four explosive plays on offense. Yeah, that was that was nice to see, and it just sort of came out of nowhere, late third quarter, fourth quarter. And look, they came back and took the lead. The offense gave them the lead with four and a half to go. The defense was gassed. Three plays, Florida goes right down and scores. Offense comes back, kicks a field goal. <laughs> defense almost gave up a game-winning field goal. Florida missed it. But the thing I liked was in overtime, here's what happened. Arkansas wins the toss. Defense goes out first. They didn't mess around. They forced a field goal. Offense comes out there. First play, first down. Oops, penalty, back up. Second play, first down. Third play, first down. Fourth play, touchdown. Boom, boom, boom. 
and the same thing with the offense. So they they were on the same page in what really mattered, which was the overtime period. And if they can just kind of do that from here on out, who knows what they can do because that is what's been missing. One side plays well and the other doesn't. When you when you play together offense and defense and you do it in a no-nonsense manner like that, to me, they just decided in overtime, we're winning this game. They're, we're not going to mess around here. Boom, boom, boom. We win. What, what about the idea that you were able to generate all this offense and, and especially the rushing yards the way that they did while – Changing up your tackles during the game, you know, and for, you know, one for for uh, I think uh, just not playing well in Chambly's case, and the other with Kudas getting an injury. I mean, we've been kind of waiting on Devin Manuel. I think the coaching staff has been waiting on Devin Manuel to be right physically. Uh, maybe what we saw from him against the Gators is exactly what they hoped they would see. And Tykees Crawford, like that, felt like that was three years in the making. Like what a. You've been waiting for him to develop in the kind of player that I think the recruiting services and the coaching staff expected he would be, and I don't think you win the game without Crawford playing as well as he did. Sure, and you got people saying, well, he did it against a bad team. They weren't a bad team at home. They were unbeaten at home. They were giving up an average of 11 points a game at home. That includes the Tennessee game in the swamp in which they won handily. Tennessee's not just some rummy team. And Arkansas just went out there, and I read somebody else saying, well, it doesn't matter where they won. Oh, really? It doesn't matter that you were in the swamp, a place where you've never won, ever? That, that Just throw that out the window? So, again, what you're getting is people that want this guy to be fired, and so they got to change the narrative. They've got to try to convince everybody else that none of that stuff really mattered. And I don't know where they head from here, but, again, guys, you got to be able to – I just don't know why you would be a fan if you couldn't enjoy a game like that for a few days as opposed to already being back out on the offensive and saying the game didn't matter, didn't matter where you played it, the offensive line didn't really play well, the team you played was no good, all this stuff, which is nonsense. Big, big win for a lot of reasons, Mike. I, I do want to get your get your thoughts on a, a couple of the plays. Maybe you can explain what happened there with with Florida on the on the field goal try. I, I thought that if a team goes into sub, the referee has to stand there by by the center and don't let a snap. And I thought the officials messed up by getting out of the way and then letting them try to run, run the play. Yeah, theoretically, then because they screwed up and substitute, that was their mistake because they're running out of time. And once they sub then you have to allow the other team to sub, and theoretically that should have run mm-hmm. the clock out. Mm-hmm. It didn't. And so we could have had a huge controversy. That's why Pittman was going ape, you know, during that period of time. But I got a, I got a nephew that's a really good high school football coach in New Mexico. He's won like five state championships. And I was talking to him about this one time, and he said, oh, we get screwed all the time. He said, in high school, the refs are horrible. But he said, the bottom line, you just have to overcome it. you got to figure out, well, sometimes you can't. If it's right there at the end of a game, there's no way. But thankfully, it didn't come down to that because maybe karma or something because he missed the field goal. So you'll take what you can get. Mike, uh, I, I want one more question. Uh, with with Kenny Guyton, this, this this Kenny G offense, if if we're to go and and I know we got to take it one game at a time, but but let's say uh, we we beat Auburn, beat Florida International, and, and we defend home field and, and beat Missouri, go four and zero. Would you say KJ and Kenny both back uh, at, at Arkansas next year? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know about KJ. I really don't. It's it, 
who knows what's in his head. But I think people are asking, does Guyton have this job right now? Well, Pittman sort of answered that today when he indicated, well, we've talked about him being a candidate, but, you know, we'll have to talk more. And he said candidate. So I don't know what that means. To me, he's more than a candidate. I mean, I don't know how you, if they continue to play this way offensively and the play calling continues to be more creative like this, and the players, the way they were, he looked like Musselman running around in that locker room after the game (laughs) with his shirt off and everybody going bonkers. I don't know how you look at those players and tell them, well, we liked what he did, but I'm bringing in another guy. We've just seen a classic example of how who you are as a coach, no matter your technical expertise or anything else you're doing, who you are as a coach matters to players. And if they don't respond to you, that's not good. So if you've got a guy that they love and want to play for, I don't know, I don't know how you say, well, yeah, he did a good job, but I just decided to go with this other guy. Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, part of it is scheme. Part of it is, uh, I think, in, in Dan Enos's, uh, in, in, on his end, uh, some stubbornness. Uh, on Sam Pittman's end, maybe not enough assertiveness with with the previous assistant coach on play calling. You know, if you didn't like the plays that were being called, well, it's still your team. But then there mm-hmm. is the other idea of the of the belief and just the way that a person connects with another person when you work for them or view that person as a mentor. And it's, it was pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious. I mean, we talked with KJ about it almost two weeks before the first game. And, and just from his answers, it sounded like they were looking forward to the change. And it was somebody that, that he already got along with and uh, that's got to also that's got to count for something the play calling is one thing you know work putting into play what you're practicing on is another thing but there's a connection I think that that was pretty obvious between uh between the players and coach Guyton and that's not just because of what happened after the game with him crowd surfing in the locker room that's the result of the connection that I think we saw yeah I think you I don't I could, I'd love to be able to sit down and talk with Sam Pittman about the offensive line in that game because Matt's right. They, they weren't consistent all through the game. There were times when it did look bad, but something clicked there late third quarter, all through the fourth quarter. And you'd, I like his, you know, his view on what happened out there, but I got to believe a part of it is those guys said to themselves, we're playing for the right guy now. Let's go out and win this game. Uh, it's it's a team sport. You're winning it for yourself, but you're winning it for your teammates. You're winning it for your coaches. You know, fans sitting watching, they, they want to be happy. But, um, you know, if you've ever been on a team, even a team that loses, you can understand how you can have a record like this and still get tremendous satisfaction out of winning a game like this and how playing for the right coach motivates you, maybe even if he doesn't directly impact what you're doing. He's not an O-line coach. But I can't believe that he didn't have play a part. His presence didn't play a part on why the offensive line blocked better. Yeah, how you prepare all week, the enthusiasm showing up to work every day, Mike. You know, if you have a boss you don't really like, but you kind of got to go to work. But then when you have somebody you like, how you're just a little more excited to be there. And I think you felt some of that. And I love the adjustments they made. They started one for six on third down and finished finished the game seven to twelve on third down. Yeah, the adjustment part was impressive. Uh, because that's the part, that's when you get down to the nitty-gritty. When he's never done that before, then that, that's going in. I wasn't sure about stuff like that. Okay, you can script some plays. So they came right out of the gate, and 
that first offensive drive looked amazing, and you're going, wow, this is really cool. But you can't script the whole game, and things happen during the game, and you've got to adjust. And that's a very important point. How they adjusted, especially late, decided that game. And, and how about the, just the, the play calling in those three? It was really four plays in overtime because the first play, they made a first down and got penalized, so you have to back up. But it was just like boom, 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 run, run, pass. And not run, run, oh, whoops, now we got, oh, now it's third down, what do we do? None of that. It took all the drama out of it. It just, bam. And that's the part I liked. What do you think? Uh, what do you think you see out of Auburn this weekend? Their offense has really started to get going. Freeze has settled. Well, I don't think it's settled on a quarterback. Peyton Thorne won the job, and he's playing well enough that they don't need another guy to come in and just and just run the ball because he's running the RPO very well. Uh, everybody yeah, is afraid of Auburn because it's Hugh Freeze, and that's for good reason. He's already got a win <laughs> over Coach Pittman with a lesser program last year. Uh, you got to keep winning too, Mike, to keep the season going. Uh, Auburn is um, uh, they're no pushover. I stayed up late, too late, really, last night watching the replay of that game with Vanderbilt. And here's the thing. Their their passing game is getting better. It's still not real good, but they can flat run the ball. But that's playing into Arkansas' strength, the strength of Arkansas' defense. I'm not, I still, they still say, made some mistakes throwing the ball, had a pick, uh, had some, their, their receivers dropped too many passes at Auburn. That's, that's been hurting them. Mike, the thing that's solid about them is their defense. That defense is good. I'm telling you, they got a good defense. Mike, get your thoughts on, on the basketball season opening uh, tonight. Yeah. Musk wins an Academy Award for trying to convince us that Alcorn State is really, really good. I know these days with the portal, teams can change from one year to the next. But You're talking about a team that lost to Tennessee by 54 points last year. So I think we'll get a blowout. But you, you want to see Jalen Graham supposedly going to play. We're told, I'm looking at to see if his defense is better because that's what they've been working on. I think Makai Mitchell can play a better game than we saw him play against Purdue. He wasn't terrible, but I think he can be better. Want to see Brazil continuing to look good. Want to see the point guards continue to, to distribute the ball but also score. Want to see that defense continue to be what it was. Musk's teams that are heavily heavily made up of transfers, usually it's taken them sometimes into SEC play to get the defense kind of going on the same page. And I mean, they're already there. So you just want to see a confirmation of that tonight and then moving forward. Thanksgiving dinner will be memorable this year at the historic Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in Hot Springs. Thursday, November 23rd from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. in the Venetian Dining Room, you'll have a salad bar, carving station, hot buffet items, and desserts featuring traditional and unique items. Over 12 dine for $58 per person, under 12 for $29, and under 6 eat free. Reservations required. Must have credit card to hold reservations. Call 501-623-7771 or log on at arlingtonhotel.com slash dining for reservations and complete menu items. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. 
All right, I was uh, I saw this, and you brought it up earlier today when we were on the phone here, Matt. So the Commanders beat the Pats twenty to seventeen yesterday. Pats dropped to one and seven. That's their fourth loss in five home games. And uh, man, it's kind of shocking to look at Belichick's record without Tom Brady at quarterback. Where did you say the record was? What are they? He doesn't have. Uh, he's he's batting below uh, the Mendoza line. That that that's for sure. Well, the Mendoza line is 200. 81 and 95. Yeah, wow. No, he's above the Mendoza line there, my bad. But he's not above 500 is what I, that's what I was meaning to you say. You want to be above 80, 500. 81 and 95 without TB12 uh, taking the snap. And that includes uh, the year that Matt Castle uh, almost got him to the playoffs but got him double-digit wins. Yeah, what year was that? I think that was 2005. Ten wins during his tenure with Brady as the as the Pats quarterback was a low number, by the way. You know, and they did win ten games with Newton at quarterback in twenty one, um, and uh, and Mac Jones, I think, you know, getting in there some. But man, you look at some of the some of the all time great coaches, uh, like Bill Walsh. You know, Walsh he had a shorter career as a head coach, but when Montana got hurt, Steve Young got in there and they won some games. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly. You know, the team now that Belichick has is different than the team that he had five, six, seven years ago when Brady was still the quarterback. Maybe that's not a fair comparison, but, I mean, you look at Don Shula. Shula made the playoffs and had winning seasons with Bob Greasy, David Woodley, Dan Marino. He only won the Super Bowl, I think, with Greasy at quarterback, but, uh, I mean, that's three three quarterbacks he won a ton of games with, had winning records with him for quite a bit. Now, Chuck Knoll, he did a little bit of winning without Terry Bradshaw. Never got to the Super Bowl without, without him. Uh, did have a couple of division titles and finished strong near the end of his career with Bubby Brister, but he, was, he never had the same kind of success that when Bradshaw was quarterback. You know, Andy Reid, you know, Reid got to the Super Bowl and, and almost ruled that East Division for a number of years with Donovan McNabb at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now he's winning Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes. Tom Landry. Don Meredith, Roger, Roger Staubach, Danny White. I mean, he he won game, he won Super Bowls with Staubach, but he won games and divisions <laughs> with a couple of other quarterbacks too. I don't think you say the same thing about Bill Belichick. Part of this is Brady's career was so long, but Belichick was not a good head coach, or at least did not have a good record anywhere close to it with Cleveland. And since Brady's retired, the Patriots are and also ran. They're 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 hard to watch. I've seen them play a couple times. Uh, they they can't block anybody. Uh, Mac Jones holds on to the ball a little bit. Uh, they they've just been it's been tough to watch. But that's that's wild. And I think Andy Reid Phil is is one of the most underrated coaches. He, he everybody needs to be putting his name up there as being a top four, being on that Mount Rushmore of coaches. Uh, he had Kevin Cobb doing some good things there at Arizona for a little bit, but he had Alex Smith, and then he made the move. I mean, he had Alex Smith there winning games. One of the only few Alex Smith, great. No, I say great. He was a good quarterback, number one overall pick. Good, good. Just, just a very above average guy. Really competent. Can do a lot of things well, but you never felt like he. Were. He had them winning games, and then made the change to to a young Patrick Mahomes, and the rest is history. Now look, I still Belichick still deserves the credit for the game planning um, and the cheating. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did say that um, that that he was also responsible for on the other side of the ball, which he obviously was a little bit more responsible for as a defensive minded coach. But you remember when Brady went over to Tampa? 
part of the story was, and you, you know, who's more responsible for for the Super Bowls? You know, who who's responsible for the seven? Well, they both are. Well, who had a little bit more to do with it? I think that's a difficult thing to figure out, but I think it's pretty obvious. Belichick's not the same coach without Brady at quarterback. I mean, not a lot of people would be. Maybe that's not a fair thing to say, but you have examples here of other head coaches who had Hall of Famers with them, but still won games, and and I mean had winning records with guys that were either just a pro bowler or an all-pro once or twice, not Hall of Famers, not Dan Marino, not Joe Montana, not Terry Bradshaw, not Patrick Mahomes, and not Roger Staubach. And there's others, too, that I just didn't look up. Well, and I look even in the college game, I look at Jimbo Fisher. He had Jameis Winston, who uh, number one overall pick in, in the NFL draft, winning, a, winning a, a national championship. And then look at Dabo Sweeney. Uh, he had Deshaun Watson, uh, uh, Trevor Trevor Lawrence. You know he's had Taj Boyd. He had good quarterbacks, and he he was good. You, it's it's a it is a quarterback driven league as far as the NFL. But you look around sports, and then you look at looking at college football too. You got to have a quarterback if uh, if you're going to have a chance. Speaking of Swinney, um, I think Tiger. What talk, a look at that! Dabo. Tiger talk ought to be um, ought to be appointment listening. Uh, tonight it probably is for every Clemson football fan but for people that just like college football I think that might be appointment listening today if anybody can get on their uh on their varsity app and and listen to the Clemson uh hey you'll be watching the Razorback basketball game anyway so we'll just play the highlights for you got to get Tyler from spring from um Spartanburg to to call back in after a win over Notre Dame not, not a great Notre Dame team, you know, a decent one. That Ohio State let down. They, oh, they, they, they've been hanging their heads since then. Uh, that, that's there's really no excuse. They should have won that game, and then I think it'd be a little different. But Notre Dame kind of, Clemson did what Duke did to him as, as far as you got to punch Notre Dame in the mouth. I love Kristen. Just sends us some like things out of the blue every once in a while on our on our on our. We we have our own like three way text line here with the three of us. Uh, and every once in a while, Christian sends a photo that you're like, what did you send me this for? We got photos of him and the puppy last weekend on Friday. We got lyrics from, what was this one that you sent us lyrics to? Gosh, that was the longest text I've ever gotten, even this, even longer than anything Eddie's ever sent me. <laughs> this one carries a little weight, though. Um, Craig Council, apparently, according to The Athletic, is going to be hired as the Chicago Cubs' new manager, replacing David Ross. That was that's shocking to me. Yeah, that, that does kind of. Now I knew Council was being. I think he was uh, possibly being interviewed by the Mets for their opening, but apparently, like you know, he's he wants managers to get paid more, and I have a feeling you can get paid more being the manager of the Cubs than being the manager of the Brewers. But inside the same division, now he, he's, he's a Wisconsin guy. Like he's from Milwaukee. He's from there. Wow. It's not like the Cubs had a terrible year, but apparently, you know. He's a former no. second baseman, right? Uh, yes. Craig Council, yeah. yeah. I Had I one of the him. more unique Lefty. Uh, batting stances of all time. Yeah, he would hold that bat way up That Arizona Diamondbacks uh, World Series team, he was on that team. I think he scored the winning run. Wow, Luis Gonzalez with the hit, and then Craig Council getting the, getting the swap. Okay. Yeah, I, I think, he, I think he, uh, he scored the winning run off of that base hit.
Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Passion is something that exists in all of us. I know we got a lot of passionate Hog fans listening right now. And I know that all of you love football season. Dave Bushkill and his team over at Eastside Liquor are the exact same way. They can take care of all your tailgating and party needs. Whether it's just a few beers or alcohol in bulk. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith to check off every item on your list. Eastside Liquor, your number one stop for Arkansas football this season. I know you'll be tuned in at 6.30 when uh, the basketball broadcast begins. With the pregame, Chuck and Zim take up to a 7 o'clock tip. And Arkansas battles Alcorn State tonight. Women's basketball will start the season tomorrow night against the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks. And uh, both teams got a doubleheader on set on Friday. Morning game for the women, night game for the men, and then Arkansas and Auburn, 3 o'clock. So big weekend of sports on the Hill. And I uh, think later today, or we might have already found out, I just hadn't checked on it, that uh, we'll have some uh, NCAA postseason soccer games at Razorback Field as well. Uh, we've got an open segment coming up uh, right now. In the next segment, we've got Connor O'Gara, from Saturday Down South. Take us through some of the things going on in college football. I noticed, uh, speaking of, of uh, coordinator changes and how that affects the team, going to learn a lot about USC and whether their defense can play up to any close level to the offense with the firing of Alex Grinch um, after a loss to Washington, gave up 52 points. The fifth time in the last six games that USC has allowed 40 or more points. Now, you remember Sam Pittman did say, and some people are saying it's a, it's a dig at Dan Enos. I don't know if it was necessarily a dig or if it was just a fact that things that were being practiced during the week were not being put into play on Saturday. Um, but I also know that Coach Pittman has said a lot of really positive things about Dan Enos, even after the firing, and certainly a lot of that going leading up to it. I mean, they, it, it would seem to me they had a good personal relationship. Otherwise, I don't know if one hires the other as, uh, as offensive coordinator. So, but that also gets tested when, when a good friend has to fire another, even if the, the person who's being fired understands the reason why. Lincoln Riley had worked with Alex Grinch for five years at Oklahoma and now at Southern California. So I'm sure this also goes along with, we got to find a way to win football games. Independent of who your friends are, Matt, you got to win football games. And Arkansas made a necessary change. And just like that, offensively, things look like they turned around. I guess I'd be surprised if all of a sudden, just like that, the USC defense turns around because you got a track record here. Yeah, the energy level for the Hogs definitely definitely picked up. Uh, man, that was Washington, and and I I kind of agree. We have Bill King on on uh, once a week, and I kind of agree with what he's saying with with those receivers out there at Washington Field. Those those are 
Those are some real dudes. Number one and number two, man, they, they can go. Uh, I, I can't. It's uh, O-D-U-N-Z-E, however you say his name. Uh, they, they got some studs, and that was the whole thing going in. I thought if USC had Utah's defense, you could kind of combine the, the Pac-12 right there. Uh, just just part of it. I mean, they you can't give up. Phil, Johnson, they're, they're, the Washington Huskies running back channeled his inner Napoleon Kaufman. He had 26 rushes for 256 yards. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you can't you – can't, how do you expect to beat a team when their running back is averaging 9.8 on you? No kidding, man. No kidding. Did you see the video of Caleb Williams crying on the – not on the sideline. When the game was over, um, I guess he went over to his mom and then pulls himself up onto the railing and just starts sobbing in his mom's arms. And she <clears throat> took her game program and covered his face so nobody could see uh, the tears, but it was pretty obvious what was going on there. You know, he's taking some criticism for it. Truthfully, I don't see the reason why. Um, <laughs> athletes put a ton into these games, especially football. I mean, it's just a week leading up to the game that you play. <clears throat> and he played well, but it's not his fault that that defense can't, They're gonna... can't stop anybody. You know, and I think, look, I mean, you can have an opinion about Caleb Williams about this and that. I mean, he talks a lot of smack. The fingernail thing is a little bit weird and the things that he writes on it. The demand, apparently, although I don't know if it's been confirmed, the demand to have partial ownership of whatever team drafts him. It still doesn't take away the idea that this is a, this is a human being. And, hey, at an emotional moment when you see your mother, uh, sometimes it's a little difficult not to get choked up because she would have been, maybe she was crying, too. I see my mom crying for something that I was at, I'm probably going to tear up as well. Then again, Matt, I'm I'm just a sap. I don't know if you. Would well, cry. he's he's a he's a Heisman Trophy winner, thinking that they were going to have a chance to win another Heisman Trophy for him and and as a team win a national championship. And instead, they've lost three of their last four. They're going to lose again next week to Oregon. And and don't be surprised that UCLA defense uh, they're okay now. I don't think UCLA should be able to beat USC. Uh, but when they lose again next week in Oregon, he's not going to play in the bowl game. He sees his season. I think he sees it all coming to an end, and it, it's it's right. It's emotional, and it didn't end the way he wanted it to, and uh, he's a little upset about it. The biggest games in the SEC, of course, went towards the home teams and maybe just a further confirmation that Alabama and Georgia continue to be the best teams in this league, not just on an annual basis, but also this year. If Georgia takes down Mizzou by nine, and as well as Mizzou had been playing and the Bulldogs still had to come from behind in the second half, man, I think that says that, that says a lot about Georgia. And the things, I don't know if you'd say they even get that much easier because they get Ole Miss at home now, Tennessee on the road, then Georgia Tech on the road. Do you see potentially Georgia taking an L at some point? I don't. And to the two teams that are left, would a loss for Georgia potentially knock them out of playoff contention because now every team in the Pac-12 has a loss. Every team in, well, Washington does not have a loss, do they? No, they keep winning. Every team in the Big 12 has at least a loss. Uh, Florida State, Michigan, Ohio State, the only zero-loss teams as far as that's concerned outside of Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio State. Only one of them is going to finish undefeated. I'm not convinced that a regular season loss eliminates Georgia from playoff contention, Matt. And one reason I say that is, 
I think Alabama is still in contention, and they lost to a good Texas team, albeit at home. Yeah, uh, that 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 will be a, a a nice matchup if Alabama and and Georgia. Georgia hasn't played it. You, man, I was talking about uh, Texas's schedule being soft. Uh, that was the toughest game for Georgia as far as talent wise. Missouri had, it was the best team. The, that Georgia's played. So Mississippi, yeah, you know, it's such a grind. You make a good point, Phil. Uh, it's it's just, I mean, it's a gauntlet. Again. Each week, you got to be ready. You got to be ready to show up. And if you don't show up, so what, they, what they've done is pretty impressive. The thing about Ole Miss just playing A&M, and this is what scared me about uh, them playing A&M, is Ole Miss isn't very physical. That's still kind of their thing that's keeping them back a little bit is is the physicality. Uh, I, I like their offense and what they do. That's that's very true. And they make some plays, but Georgia should out-physical uh, Ole Miss, I, and I think they'll be all right there. You know, now looking at who Ole Miss beat, Texas A&M, 5-4 record, still have LSU on the schedule, should win the next two games, Mississippi State and Abilene Christian, so at that point, that's seven. You're probably looking at a seven-win regular season and another maybe eight-win year for Jimbo at A&M. This was, a, this was supposed to be the year that the talent, you know, the cream rose to the top and the talent took over and they won, won a lot of football games and challenged Alabama in the West Division, and that is not this year, Matt. Well, they get Brad Johnson's son back. I, I like seeing Brad Johnson and his, his wife in the stands cheering on, cheering on the boy. Brad Johnson, you know, Tampa Bay uh, Super Bowl winning winning quarterback there with John Gruden. They beat Rich Gannon in the in the Raiders. And his his uh his his other son is the tight end there that uh mm-hmm. that he, he throws he the ball to. Too. Yeah. 877-377-6963 to get with us on the McClarty Daniel hotline. Remember six locations for McClarty Daniel in Springdale and in Bentonville. You can always go online and see the entire inventory at McClartyDaniel.com. Uh, if you missed the news from earlier today, the FIU game is going to be a 6.30 kickoff on ESPNU and four, count them, four Razorbacks got weekly honors for SEC football over the weekend. Think about that. They give out six awards. Snacks Johnson is Defensive Player of the Week. Cam Little is Special Teams Player of the Week. Center Bo Limmer is Offensive Lineman of the Week. And Jalen Braxton claims Freshman of the Week. Not a single co in front of any of those awards that, either. Add a boy right there. Add a boy. First victory in the history in down there in Gainesville. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's football season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. And with 64-inch TVs, beer, burgers, and, you know, wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch the big game. So bring the gang and join us this football season at your local Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings, beer, wings, sports, and your home for any game. Roar! 
Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey & Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey & Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey & Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey & Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey & Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. We were working on getting Connor O'Gara here from Saturday Down South to talk about the Hogs and Auburn looking ahead. And he, he made a good point, and this is something I want to get Connor's opinion about. Um, he is comparing... 2023 Arkansas to 2022 Auburn because Auburn also made a change at who was calling the plays. And, of course, they made a change as who was running the team. It's a little bit different. But, you know, I mean, you even brought it up when you were watching Auburn a little last year. Uh, Cadillac Williams, you know, they they played harder for him than they did for Ryan Hart. enthusiasm. That's right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, maybe... You know, it's, again, it's not a head coaching change, which is just as drastic as it could possibly be, especially less than two seasons in. Um, well, it's in a couple of those games, Phil, when you look back, BYU, no excuses, really, when you think about it. Mississippi State, no excuses. We had the better team uh, both those games and uh, against both those teams. And against Auburn, talent-wise, I think we do have the better team going. I think we have the better quarterback. I think if Rockets playing and Armstrong are playing, we have the better running back. We have the better receiver. Uh, Snacks, I've, I've liked number eight all year. I like what he's been doing. I like Pooh Paul. I, I, I like our defense. There's, there's, uh, it's, it's, it'll be a close game. It's hard to win in the SEC. All these games are tough. There, there's no easy ones. If it was easy, we'd all be doing it. But this is a hundred percent a game that we can win this week. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any doubt you can win this game. I think you should win this game. You're at home. <clears throat> you're coming off. <clears throat> you're coming off your first ever win in a tough place to play. Coming off your first win in two two months. It was not a fluke. It was not a fluke. That was not a fluke that that we saw on Saturday. Like that was legit. They beat they beat the Gators and <clears throat> and it wasn't. Wow, the ball just bounced their way. They played well enough to win that game. And I think you can definitely take Auburn down. The thing is. Is now Auburn is is they finally settled on who is going to run the offense. You know they've had three quarterbacks get on the field this year, and mostly it's been Peyton Thorne. But Ashford would get out there every once in a while just to run. He didn't even get on the field when they beat Vanderbilt last weekend. So you know they're running an RPO. Thorne is averaging over four yards per carry. They got Jarquez Hunter still at running back. He's averaging about six yards a carry. They can move the ball. You know, this, this would be one of, those, one of those games where you'd look at Auburn's season averages, and I'm just not sure if they mean quite as much as what you've seen the last couple of games, albeit it's been against Mississippi State and Vanderbilt, but those are still two SEC teams. <clears throat> and I think uh, probably Auburn's looking at this saying the same thing. We can go into Fayetteville and get a win, just like Arkansas is saying that they can beat Auburn at home. Connor's with us here from Saturday Down South. Connor, how you doing today? I'm doing well. Apologies. Um, yeah, I, I live in this very remote place on planet Earth with a very large uh, cellular provider. Um, it, you know, 
service for whatever reason in Orlando of all places, just not exactly working. So apologies for the, the slight delay. Well, it's all back. You're here. And, um, I, I brought up before you, before you got on your comparison with 2022 Auburn and 2023 Arkansas. Can you expand on that for us? Yeah. So last year, Auburn makes the decision Halloween weekend to actually on Halloween fires Brian Harson. And for the last month of the year, they sort of just became a, a power five service academy. Their rushing attack was really like it, it was. Look, they weren't gonna they weren't gonna worry about offensive balance or anything like that, like they did with Arson. They said, "What what can we actually do well on offense? And what's an offense that we can run?" And with Robbie Ashford at quarterback last year, that's just what they did, and they just stuck to their strengths, and it kept them in a lot of games that I don't think they would have been in with Brian Harson. So uh, that's that's the comp for Arkansas and what it's doing now, coming off with a Florida game, which finally are able to see this KJ and Rocket combo and have the best rushing game of the entire season with a first-time play caller in Kenny Guyton. And I think that there is a hope now that you can have some sort of an identity, a throwback identity for Arkansas, and one that's going to make them a lot more competitive, a lot more consistent offensively down the stretch here. Big time win for the Hogs. They, they needed that, and then conversely for the for the for the Florida Gators, they they might miss a bowl game. I think this this knocks them out. I think they're going to lose the next three. Uh, what do the Florida Gators uh, do at the end of the year? Oh, it's it's brutal. I mean, look, I don't think Billy Napier gets fired because I, I think they got thirty one point eight million reasons not to fire him. But at the same time, that was a costly loss for a program that is entering just a really daunting stretch. You mentioned the three games that they have coming up. I mean, to go on the road to LSU, uh, to go on the road to Mizzou, and then, oh, by the way, you end the season with Florida State that hasn't lost a game in over a year. There's not gimme on that schedule. They're going to be underdogs in all three of those games. And Arkansas, I don't know that it's – I think it's doing Arkansas a disservice if we just say, oh, Florida was overlooking that. Like, no, that that was – maybe the biggest game on their schedule in those final four with what was at stake and the ability to clinch a bowl berth and feel like this year was an improvement. And instead they could be looking at a five and seven type season after we thought they had turned the corner with that road win at South Carolina. But this, this conference, it humbles you and it has certainly humbled Florida. So Alabama beats LSU 42 to 28. Jalen Miller ran all over the place. Georgia comes from behind and beats Missouri in Athens. Our divisions are being led by the teams that always win these divisions right now, Connor. And it seems, well, I mean, you look at who who Georgia's got left. Do you see a loss on the roster on the on the schedule there with Alabama? I don't think they're going to lose another game. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, and I've been saying this for a little while now. I think it's going to be kind of kind of boring in terms of the the, com- the conference race that many people are saying, well, we don't know who's good, and, and Georgia's super vulnerable. Look at all these games that they're struggling to put away early in the season. Uh, it's, but we're going to end up with Georgia and Alabama in the SEC championship, and it's now more inevitable than ever after the weekend that those teams had. And, you know, Georgia, to, to come back against Mizzou, I guess you can call it that they were down three points in the second half. But against the Mizzou team, I think is really good. And, and Arkansas fans will, will see this team in a few weeks and see just the, the depth that they have at certain spots, especially on the offensive line, that I think is really different. And they have a lot of a lot of ways that they can beat you. And there's a reason why they were hanging around in that game 
and Brady Cook obviously had two costly turnovers at the end that that, that hurt those chances to be able to, to pull off an upset in Athens. But I mean, this is a good football team, and I think they're going to be worthy of a top 15 ranking at season's end. And then Alabama being able to, to, to have its offense find that identity, that was the key thing they needed to figure out post-Texas. Jalen Milrow gets benched. He has been a much better quarterback in the last month, and he has limited those mistakes. And that's why Alabama is looking like a team that, in my opinion, is going to run the table the rest of the way in conference play, and they'll be sitting at you know one loss going into the SEC championship along with an undefeated Georgia team. Connor, uh, speaking of teams, USC fired their DC. Uh, I mean, that was kind of gross what Washington's running back did to him. And and with Caleb Williams, and you know, there's a lot of hype on Caleb Williams. Is he uh, is he still your number one quarterback in, in going into? The, I know we have a lot, a little bit more time that you're going to have some combine and other things, but is Caleb Williams still that can't miss quarterback in this next year's draft? He is, in my opinion. And look, I'm heavily invested as a Bears fan, so I've got I've got a lot of emotional ties to what Caleb Williams has, has done. And I know everybody's breaking down, you know, post-game. You know, he's, he's crying with his family and stuff. Like, I'm not going to fault a college kid for crying. Like, the, the thing that kind of raised my eyebrows, and I didn't even realize this until after the fact, USC apparently thought it still had a playoff chance, which I'm like, wait a minute, that was your third loss. In what world were, was USC going to beat a few top 10 teams and then get into the playoff with two losses? That wasn't going to happen. Um, yeah, it, look, USC is a, just a reminder that, it takes so much more than explosive offenses to be able to win at the high level that, that we, that we, that we think teams like that with, with talent should be at. And USC is a team that just cannot get right defensively. And finally for Lincoln Riley to move on from Alex Grinch after he followed him from Oklahoma long overdue. Um, I still don't have any faith in Lincoln Riley finding the right defensive coordinator and getting that to a national championship. But yeah, I mean, Caleb Williams, I, I think he has his issues with, with accuracy at certain times that makes you frustrated, but he would still be my number one guy. And as a Bears fan, I got my fingers crossed. What chance you give Ole Miss this weekend? I mean, they, they just keep winning games, man. I mean, they're, they're, they're the quietest eight and one team, I think, in the country. And I think that's because people just expect a loss to Georgia, just like you expect that they would lose to Alabama and therefore knock them out of contention in the West and knock them out of contention for the college football playoff. But man, you gotta, you really have to admire the job Lane Kiffin's done there, not just this year, but over the course of the time that he's been hired, because that's the second most winningest program, I think, in the division since he's been there. But what chance do they have against Georgia? I think they, I think they have a real chance to make it a 60 minute game. I don't think they have a great chance to win. And I, I came into this season saying that if everybody that Georgia has on this schedule, this much scrutinized schedule, I thought that Ole Miss was going to give Georgia the best game that it was going to see. Now, at the same time, I had Ole Miss at 6-6. Six and six. They've already gone way above my projection of them coming into this season. And I, I think that the, the issue that I have with this is that you know, history is just so it is so working against Ole Miss in this matchup. Like, to think... Georgia has not lost a home game at night since 2009. I mean, that is crazy to think about. And meanwhile, Lane Kiffin, who um, I think has been great for Ole Miss and has done some awesome things and now his fourth year there, the big knock against him is that he can't win the big one. This is somebody that in his entire career as a head coach, he has one win against a Power 5 team that has gone on to win nine regular season games. And it happened 12 years ago. Now that was when he was the coach at USC. So it's been a lifetime ago since he had a, a quality win. Now if LSU wins out this year, that'll be win number two in that department. But no, I don't think Lane's going to be able to to go on the road and beat Kirby with 
with the way that Georgia has found those 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 key moments to be able to to dig deep and win some of these close games this year. Connor, uh, a really big one with playoff implications is Michigan at Penn State this week. Uh, what what is the latest on the Jim Harbaugh saga going on? And, and there's not going to be any repercussions on this year uh, for Michigan, is there? I, the Tony Petiti conversation is interesting. The Big Ten commissioner, who is apparently getting all sorts of heat from the the Big Ten ADs, who would like to see action taking place. Pete Thamel's been all over that that reporting. I know, and there's there's real pressure to to want to have this ruling come down before Michigan potentially plays for a national championship. Yeah, I mean, it, for Michigan, it kind of creates this us against the world type scenario. And I don't necessarily think it's going to impact them on the field. I don't have a lot of faith in James Franklin to punch above his weight and beat a team that he shouldn't. So I'm not necessarily predicting a Penn State upset, even though I do think this is Michigan's first real test, first only test that they've had this season. But yeah, it's going to be awkward moving forward. I mean, there's no way around it. Like this is this is going to linger in the NCAA. It's not going to make a fast ruling. It feels like the only way in which we're going to get any sort of action taking place is if that pressure is too much and Tony Petiti decides, even with a conference that has two national championships in college football in the 21st century, if he decides that he wants to sabotage one of those opportunities. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.